The Future Works, a podcast for workforce professionals, hosted by me, Melinda Mack. Living in a pandemic is stressful enough, but add in working from home, homeschooling, and the 24-7 togetherness, or on the other hand, the 24-7 of being totally alone, and it should come to no surprise that the last few years has contributed to a mental health crisis across the globe. In the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic, global prevalence of anxiety and depression increased by a massive 25%, according to a scientific brief released by the World Health Organization. Now, as employees are tentatively returning to work, many are struggling with how to manage work, life, safety, health, and overall well-being. Employers, on the other hand, are struggling to hire and keep employees, and they're starting to begin to understand the inextricable link between well-being, work, and our lives. This, of course, is important for all industries, but also for those working in the workforce sector. As we manage our own organizations and strive to be great places to work, we should be putting employee well-being front and center. And as we see New Yorkers coming through the doors after a particularly traumatic period, it's important that we know where to get information and the best tools and techniques to support them. On today's podcast, we'll be joined by Joelle Monaco, the Director of Outreach and Business Engagement at the Mental Health Association of New York State. Joelle is who we at NIATEP have turned to over the last year to help us support training frontline workforce staff in trauma-informed practice mental health first aid certification, and really all practices for supporting overall well-being. I sat down with her this week to get her take on the rise in attention to mental health and what we can be doing within our own organizations to support employee well-being. I hope you enjoy the show. We have been talking about um, issues related to mental health um, quite a bit over the last couple of years, um, but we are nowhere near as experts in this topic. And so we decided to bring our partner, Joelle Monaco from Mahaney's, um, which is the Mental Health Association of New York, um, onto the podcast to talk a bit about what this means uh, for the workforce and for employers um, with a recognition that mental health is in pretty crystal clear focus at this point um, as a topic um, or priority. And so I'm going to actually turn it over to Joelle to have her introduce herself, um, and then we'll sort of get into some conversation around how we can think about mental health a little bit differently as businesses and employers, but also in the workforce system. Thank you so much, Melinda, and thank you to all of the listeners tuning in. So Melinda uh, pointed out, I work at the Mental Health Association in New York State, and we are an affiliate of Mental Health America, and we really work to end the stigma associated with mental illness. We want to start conversations about mental health and help individuals feel unafraid, but also comfortable to seek help. And we really promote mental health in everyday life. Um, currently, we're actually comprised of 26 affiliates across New York State that provide uh, services and support within 
over 50 counties. My individual role at Mahaney's uh, most Directly, I work on our Workforce Development Outreach Program, which is a statewide initiative designed to improve employment opportunities for both individuals living with mental health challenges, and but also create conversations within the workplace and support organizations and leaders. And this program really creates dialogue and education opportunities for both of those audiences and builds on the importance of, you know, mental health in the workplace as a part of workforce development. It's not separate, right? Um, a lot of times we used to think of we can leave all of our personal stuff at the door or, you know, maybe our employees are not going to bring, you know, whatever they're experiencing into the workplace. We know that's not true. So aside from that, I also work with um, organizations and businesses to identify training opportunities um, that support consumers, members, but of course, that bigger piece, their workforce. Well, we've had the great fortune of uh, working with you all to do some mental health first aid certification, which we're hoping to again bring back um, this coming year because, um, as you shared, I think it, this has become such an integral part for how we support um, individuals, New Yorkers trying to get back into the workforce, but also, um, you know, often many are overcoming sort of a trauma experience and being able to be present and available at work. Um, is something that they're sort of, they're struggling through. And many of us don't know how to approach it or what's appropriate. But yeah. before we start and get too far into this conversation, I do want to ask a couple definitions because yeah, of course. I think we all have you know, our own idea of what this, protect, this particularly means. But I want to ask you to define a bit what mental health is from your perspective and from the association's perspective, but also um, this concept of like, where we're actually at in terms of the mm -hmm. land of mental health. Is it better, worse pre than it was pre-pandemic? You know, we hear, you hear things on the news about, you know, everyone's spiraling. Is that true? Or are we all mm -hmm. just sort of where we're at? We're just talking about it more. Um, so help level set and give us a sense of what the landscape looks like, but also any kind of definitions we should be aware of as we're going through this conversation. Yeah, I think, you know, we'll start with kind of like, what does mental health include, right? It includes our emotional, our psychological, but also our social well-being. And our mental health affects how we think, how we feel, and ultimately how we act. Um, but it also it determines how we might handle those stressful situations that you pointed out, right? It might um, impact how we relate to others, especially when we're talking about the workplace. How do we navigate, you know, those social relationships, both with our colleagues, but also with consumers? And then it finds Finally impacts the choices we make. Over the course of anyone's life, um, if an individual experiences a mental health diagnosis, it can really affect their thinking, their mood, and their behavior. But the important piece when we talk about mental health is it's in all of us, right? We look at mental health along a continuum. We're well and we're unwell. And things that happen in the day can impact our well-being, but we can also look at what coping strategies or what tools and resources we have to contribute to our overall health and wellness. Um, two points I will make is, you know, it's really important to recognize that people living with mental health diagnosis can and do recover and get better, you know, seeking out the appropriate treatment and resources. Uh, and just to throw a little data in here, right, uh, you asked about where are we with people reaching out, connecting with care? And one data point we always give out is it's estimated that one in five adults live with mental illness. And when we look at that in the workplace, it's actually estimated that more than two in five, 
two out of five employees state that they've ever been diagnosed with a mental health disorder. And these numbers have stayed pretty tip, you know, pretty standard over the past few years. And of course, over the, you know, considering the last two years, we know numbers will change. We see data points changing. And one comparison I wanted to draw to is I said it before, we're part of Mental Health America, and they have this online screening program. And it was first made available back in 2014. And from 2014 to September 2020, um, it's a self-reporting screening tool that people can go on and kind of identify where is their mental health? Should they be reaching out, connecting with care? And it really connects people to resources or maybe, you know, the services they need in that immediate situation. And in that time frame, they've had 6 million people take this screening. Well, when they looked closer, they found that over 1.5 million people had taken the screening from January 2020 to September 2020. And that's just taking a nine-month period. They saw 25% of their overall engagement in that nine months versus a six-year period. So, you know, it's easy to identify there's definitely an increased awareness. More people are talking about mental health than ever before, um, and people are starting to ask questions and reach out. And in this survey, people linked, you know, and reached out and found the most uh, significant impact of being due to loneliness and isolation amongst their top concern or the thing that really brought them maybe to take the screening tool. And, you know, in that you can see just the continued change. And we know as a community, as New York State, we're going to continue to change and evolve. So it's really important that we educate communities about what is mental health, but also what are the connections to resources and services across our state that really individuals can learn and feel empowered to reach out. That's super helpful. And I think the thinking about this as a continuum is also really helpful because yeah. Um, as we were talking before we, we started recording, you know, the, the stigma of someone coming in with a mental health diagnosis, like, oh, should we or could we hire someone who's bipolar? Yeah. How would they fit in here? Yeah. Right. But it, it's also about sort of the everyday piece. Right. You know, yeah. anybody who's walking into a, a workplace, um, they don't leave all of their baggage at the door. Nope. Often they're they're coping with it while they're there or they could have come out of the car after having a terrible phone call or or sort of experience with a, a partner or a loved one, right? Um, I think that this sort of leads me to the question around like, it, it, this is sort of why employers need to care about this. Yeah. But why should why should workplaces be putting mental health and mental health supports like at the forefront of what they're thinking um, about doing around employee retention, around job quality, um, you know, help us sort of see how this fits into like your role as an employer, but also yeah. what, people should expect or should ask for um, of yeah. their employers. Yeah, and I think you said it right there, right? We always hear that thing of, is that good old saying of people leave their, leave their stuff at the door. Well, we know that's not true. And we talk a lot about work-life balance and how, do, how does our personal life into our work life and our work life fit into our personal life? Because at the end of the day, we're people. <laughs> that's the biggest thing. Um, so when we're talking about, you know, workplaces, it's actually been studied and it's reported that depression is the leading cause for lost productivity across the world. So this means all populations, all industries are impacted by mental health. And this is something I talk to a lot of employers about because they say, well, 
you know, that might be in maybe the healthcare industry, but not in our industry, right? But we're seeing this across the board. And a lot of times people might not be reporting that they're experiencing depression. It might be a physical diagnosis or a physical challenge that brings a person into maybe their doctor's office or the emergency room. We know more people end up in the emergency room thinking they're having a heart attack when in fact they're having a panic attack. So, you know, it's those types of things of just being aware and recognizing that and you know, when we look at workplaces, it's estimated that 62% of absenteeism can be attributed to mental health conditions. And this can be individuals calling out maybe because they've had a really overwhelming week, or this might be them not even recognizing how maybe their work or their life is impacting them, and they just take a day off, right? And never really combining or drawing the connection between the two. And you said it, more so like, you know, the businesses, when they're looking at this from, well, how does this impact our overall culture, right? Um, it's estimated that, you know, 51% of people say that anxiety affects the relationships with coworkers. And what are we doing in workplaces? We're always working with each other. We're collaborating, we're working on the same project, or maybe we're supporting one another. And if that, ang- if someone's experiencing anxiety, it's going to impact their ability to navigate those relationships, which ultimately might slow down an organization's progress or success. And, you know, I also say this, individuals are looking for workplaces that recognize, right, not only recognize, but support mental health in the workplace. And they're doing that more now than ever. They're holding employers accountable um, to a lot of the things, you know, we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about, but they're really checking and making sure employers are ensuring there's benefits, there's reasonable accommodations and other things that they can come into a workplace where they feel comfortable and that they can ask for what they need. So again, I'm an employer, right? And I I often try to figure out what's the right line, right? In terms of where I should insert myself and where I shouldn't insert myself in terms of what's happening in my employees' personal lives. Um, But I think that there are likely probably some warning signs or behaviors that employers can be on the lookout for, or even again, workforce professionals, as you're working with a participant who's looking to get placed, Mm -hmm. um, where you can sort of say, hey, maybe you should go and take that online assessment. Or maybe there's, you know, this might be a time for you to take a pause and maybe take a few days, sort some stuff out and come back when you're, when you're ready. Are there any Anything that you would say that are are like signs that we should be looking for as businesses or as employers or as workforce professionals of when someone might need additional support or when we really should seek out professional support to support that individual? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's there's a lot of signs and symptoms we can see in the workplace. But the biggest thing as employers, as colleagues, we're looking for are changes right? There's going to be a change of something. And when we talk about signs, it's something we can see, right? We might notice somebody has, you know, dark circles under their eyes. Maybe they are not on camera and they were always on camera before. Um, And then symptoms are something that maybe an individual's feeling that they might verbalize to us. And they might say it offhand in a conversation. And sometimes we just have to, you know, look wider and look at the person first, not necessarily just the job they're performing. Um, And, you know, it's interesting because when we try to say, okay, this is a sign versus, you know, this is not, signs and symptoms look different from person to person. And it can also look different from the same person over time. So it's really, again, looking at those changes. So it might be someone arriving late. 
um, increased absences or someone avoiding taking time off, wanting to spend more time in the workplace, right? Because there might be stressors at home that they're trying to avoid or don't want to go home and deal with. Um, again, avoidance, maybe turning down projects that they once would have enjoyed and they would have taken on without anything or could be on the opposite. Maybe somebody taking on a little bit too much of a workload, right? Being overambitious and, you know, taking on too much. And it's kind of, you have to feel that, right? You have to recognize the change and also see how the person's reacting and, you know, kind of trust your intuition here. Um, And of course, if anybody ever says anything that exhibits crisis, obviously we're going to reach out to our crisis professionals. Um, And I think the last question I have is sort of on the same vein is like, what is considered overstepping, right? You know, like if I, you know, I could sort of, you know, say like Monday morning, mental health check-in, right? How's everyone feeling this week? Versus like sitting down with a staff person to say, hey, listen, you look really tired. You haven't been showing up to work. Is something else going on? Like, again, I'm I'm not entirely sure, like what's the right line um, to cross or what the expectations should be, again, of employers around, um, that I, again, I think part of this is I'm, I'm trying to think about like, like in the health space, you know, like yep. HIPAA and like, you know, yeah. stepping, I don't know if that's similar or different in the mental health space. No. And this is, you know, 100%. And a lot of times HR struggles with this, with the compliance and people, you know, what they're able to share and how HR is supposed to be, how they can be supportive in the workplace. So this is a great question. And I really have to say, you know, you have to recognize the relationship you have with the person. Um, you know, if it's someone you worked with for a long time and maybe it's not a direct report, maybe it's a colleague, right? That conversation might look a little bit different versus maybe you're a leader and it's someone that works directly under you. The relationship might not be fitting to start a conversation. So, you know, if the person is in what appears to be significant need and you're not the right person, I say, find someone who is right? Identify in your organization, what does that look like? Um, Because if you, as someone's direct, you know, their leader, you go to them, there's still a lot of stigma around talking about mental health in the workplace. You know, one study found that majority of um, employees that was ranked at 68% worried about reaching out about their mental health issues, that it could have a negative impact on their job security. And that is still very much happening. That's still very much individuals experience. They're Um, So we have to recognize that. And even if we do open up the conversation, recognize that people might not share everything with us because of that stigma and that fear, Um, whether we might talk about mental health all the time in the workplace, because, right, we're trying to build this into everything we do and make people feel comfortable and provide resources, people's ability and response to that is going to be different. So we just have to recognize it. Um, So Again, looking at those changes, but encouraging workplace leaders to really take and identify what are those resources, right? Because we can look at it from how do we provide someone with direct support versus how do we create a space where someone feels comfortable and engaged? And a lot of times I say, you know, for organizations, what can they do? They can look at how do they integrate mental health into their workday, much to the point you said, how do you start each meeting? Do you sit down and talk to people and say, hey, how are you doing? And really with the intention to hear them and listen to where they are. The other one I ask a lot of leaders are, does their leadership, do leadership teams know that mental health is protected by the American Disabilities Act, right? And underneath the American Disabilities Act, individuals are, um, you know, as leaders, we have to provide them with reasonable accommodations to meet their needs. Um, And are mental health resources readily available? 
right? Not just shared during awareness months, um, but are they talked about and shared regularly? Uh, and this, you know, if you're doing this and you're, if you're providing resources and conversations regularly, it also brings up and creates a, a space where you could check in with somebody maybe a little bit easier that maybe you don't have a relationship to say, hey, we shared a whole bunch of resources. Have you checked them out, re you know, recently? Um, or you could even look as far as looking at your policies and handbooks. Do they increase include mental health policies? What's your organizational approach to mental health? Um, because if you put that out there and you say, as an organization, this is how we approach mental health. These are the resources we have. If someone is experiencing anything, right, or needs support or their family needs support, here's how you can access it in our workplace. It's also going to say to employees and teams that we're an organization that has tools and resources and we're comfortable having this conversation. But to your point, as a leader, you might not know, and that's just getting trained, taking a training, learning a little bit more. Well, and I appreciate sort of your sort of raising for me, you know, I think it's important that we recognize that if someone comes to you and says, listen, I'm having this crisis and I need to step away from work, um, that it is something that is very likely covered under FMLA mm -hmm. and under the ADA. Yeah. Um, and again, part of this is, I think, helping folks recognize they need to vocalize that because if you just sort of stop showing up to work, that doesn't count. Yes. <laughs> you need to be able to vocalize that you're also like having this challenge and that you need to step away. Um, and that is a, a protected activity sort of under state law. Um, but the sort of shifting the conversation to sort of the direction around supporting our own mental health, Mm -hmm. um, what are some strategies um, that you recommend or things that you would love for more employers to think about or talk about in terms of ways to support our own mental health in terms of, you know, should we be spending a couple minutes in the morning writing down, you know, things in a gratitude journal? Are there, again, like, I'm not entirely sure even what some of those things are, and I would love to be able to start to promote them with my own team, but I'm wondering if you have like a handy list of things that we could be doing right now. Um, within our own organizations or with our uh, employer partners to support um, our own mental health and really thinking again about how we regulate and support our own well-being um, as part of this work as well. Yeah, I think that's a big piece, right? If we're not taking care of ourselves, we can't serve our consumers, we can't serve our teams. Um, and how do we really make that a priority? And I think, you know, from Mahaney's perspective, we're always talking about self-care. And being intentional and creating that consistency with it. Um, a lot of times we talk to workplaces and we encourage people to make it a regular and put it on their calendar. So many workplaces, it's the norm where nobody takes their lunch or they take their lunch at their desk. So how do we say we really want everyone to get away from their desk for at least 30 minutes a day? And I know in some, you know, industries like, but Joelle, and I'm like, we, we know the scientific effects of just giving yourself that 10 minute break to get away from your desk. I always reference back anybody who gets their best ideas, whether driving on their commute, on a walk or in the shower, that's like your brain having that chance to shut down. That's the benefit of taking breaks. Um, and what workplaces can do to really support this is leaders can model it. It's not a do as I say, not as I do, um, because especially in the workplaces, if we're talking about it being a priority and we're talking about supporting our own mental health, we have to model it. We can't just expect people to do it or feel comfortable, to your point, to take that FMLA or ask for a reasonable accommodation if it's told that it's available, but we never see anybody doing it. 
right? The other thing I often talk about is emails, you know, allowing people to truly disconnect. Um, we have an entirely different workforce than we did two years ago. Um, we have hybrid, we have remote, we have in-office, we have all of these different things. So how are people really taking that time to disconnect um, and come up with a way, put this in your handbook. What does disconnecting and self-care mean to your organization? How does mental health and well-being support your mission, vision, and value? Um, and when, you know, we're removing that email and that constant connection, we're giving people that time to take care of their own mental health, to recharge. Um, the other one is really setting boundaries. And from the workplace perspective, you know, encouraging and empowering individuals to set their personal boundaries and then being respectful of them. Because <laughs> it's one thing, you know, to say, we appreciate your self-care. We're going to recognize it, put it on your calendar. And then when you're on lunch, you're getting phone calls on your personal phone, right? That's saying, that's do as I say, not as I do. Um, and we know emergencies happen, but how can you really talk about it? And to your point, you said, right, we do check-ins or, you know, like some businesses will send out updates and resources weekly. That's something HR departments, or you can outsource your EAP for resources and you can send those out weekly. So it's not just something that is done a couple times a year, but it's something that's done regularly. And like I said, don't, from the leadership and the organizational perspective, don't just say to do it, talk about how you're doing it. If you're a leader and you're taking off a day, I'm taking off this day, I won't be online. If you need anything, connect with me on Monday. Um, I think gone are the days where we give out trophies for people who don't take time off, <laughs> right? That used to be a thing in workplaces. We would give trophies to people uh, for not taking their paid time off. And we were just saying, basically keep going till the wheels fall off. And you know, if we start to change that mindset, it, it really requires leadership and the organization to be the integral part and really lead the way and show how employees can and should be doing it. I love that. I also, um, you know, one of the things we've started to do just as an, our own organization, it was more organic than anything really, because, uh, you know, all of us can't get in our exercise time mm -hmm. before work or after work. And so if folks want to go out and do a run at, at 10 because they have a time in their schedule, great, go for it. Knock, knock yourself out, right? Because um, I think part of this is us really also recognizing, like, we do ask folks to be flexible and ask them to come in early or stay late or do these other things. And so, like, then like, we got to build flexibility into the life stuff, too. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it takes a minute to shift to be able to do that, but also to shift the mindset where you don't feel like, like you're going to get in trouble if someone sees you on the street, yep, yep. <laughs> right? Or, you know, I think during some of the things that we've done um, in the past too, is like, you know, sometimes, um, you know, some of my staff, I certainly have done like where I've taken a conference call while I'm grocery shopping yep. because it's like the only time I can do it, right? Um, and it allows me to do two things at once. Um, and again, I think part of this is recognizing that, um, you know, everybody, you don't need to be physically visible and present to be present. Um, and if you can ease the burden just a little bit, um, it helps make that work-life balance that much easier. And you said it, if it's a mutually beneficial relationship, people are going to feel like their organization cares about them. They're going to take better care of themselves and they're going to be better equipped when they show up in the workplace. And I know for some caregivers, you know, their workday is the only time they have to themselves. So if they have that 30 minutes where they can go for a walk or a run, they're really going to be that much more connected when they come back because they've actually had that time to take that self-care. 
where they're probably going on to, I call caregiver second shift after work or before work. Absolutely. Well, and you sort of hit the nail on the head. Like sometimes you just need in the middle of the day, like a moment to think. And mm -hmm. if you're connected to your device, you, there's no time to think because there's always a to-do list, right? Um, and I think that, you know, we've found value in this, but you've given me a whole bunch of other sort of thoughts and ideas of ways that we can integrate this and in many ways sort of institutionalize it as part of our organization. Um, and I'm hoping that this is something that we could sort of carry forward um, and support our members um, in the workforce in the workforce space around as well. Uh, which leads me to my very last question, which is around yep. like, what other trainings do you offer through Mahaney's? Where can folks find out about the supports yep. that you all provide? Um, and what's the best way to like connect with any of these different types of trainings and learnings that I think many of our uh, members and organization partners would want to participate in? Perfect. Yeah. So we at Mahaney's, we offer a variety of programs, technical assistance and trainings. And we believe and we really meet individuals needs across the whole life cycle. Um, so, you know, here we are talking about workplaces, but individuals can go on to our website or call us for any range of mental health questions. Um, Really, I'll start with, you know, the workplaces and leadership. They can really find a variety of resources for personal development, professional development, but also resources and tools that they can distribute amongst their teams on our website. Um, for individuals, uh, we have the School Resource and Training Center that provides a plethora of resources, not only to schools, but to parents, too, that might need a few extra pieces. And, you know, we just talked about it. Employers are employing caregivers. So that would be a great tool for them also to share. Um, and through that, you know, we can go on to our website or we have via phone our mental health information center. And this is really the link um, for individuals to a whole range of local, state, or national mental health organizations or programs. And we have um, a list online, but we also have our Phone lines open Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, where individuals can call and ask questions about mental health topics, and we will provide, you know, information, resources, and connections. Uh, individuals can connect with us online at mhanys.org or contact us again Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We now have to say that uh, at 518-434-0439. And all of that information is available on our website, like I said. Um, and there's also, you know, different trainings. You mentioned mental health first aid. We're really fortunate to be working with you and your members to offer mental health first aid, but we do a plethora of different trainings, um, both for direct service providers, for general organizations, and just for general community. So you can see all those on our website under um, products and trainings. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, um, Joelle. I have learned a ton and I'm also excited to take some of these items that you shared and implement them in our own organization. Um, but I'm also, you know, going to try to think through ways to, you know, support the people I care about, but also my staff in terms of being able to make sure that they're truly living their most, their best and most authentic self um, every day um, and making sure that it's clear that we support their sort of mental health um, as well as their physical health. Uh, because yeah. they're so integral um, to our success as an organization. Um, and then in addition to that, I will also include the website um, and that Perfect. contact information um, in the description of the podcast for folks to be able to go online. But again, I appreciate oh. you and thank you so much for taking the time to do this. 
Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Did you like what you listened to? You can download previous episodes at our website, niatep.org, or on Apple or Spotify.